Hello, 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 and welcome to the Possivision Podcast, the podcast for every two weeks, myself, Lucas Kirkby, and this man that you might know, Tom Lawrenson, we look at a chapter of those old Harry Potter books that some of you might know, and we talk about them, but not before, about half an hour of irrelevant talk. This week, we are on episode 117. Well done for still being with us. It's chapter 22 of The Order of the Phoenix, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries, which must be the longest chapter so far in terms of title. Tom, how are you and what are you snacking on? I am Tom Lawrenson. Uh, You may know me uh, from doing part vision with me for the past seven years. Yeah, I do actually. I wondered where I recognised you from. That's good. I don't want to start this podcast off with you confused. Yeah, no, well, that's always important. Usually we do that before uh, before we press record to remind me who the Prime Minister is, where I'm living at the moment, why my hair is brown. Yeah, Explains to me basic genetics. And then, once I'm a bit clued up, we press record and we get cracking, don't we? Let's get cracking, Gromit. It's somebody say quick cash. Anyway, that's <laughs> no. nothing for you audience to know about. That's a private joke that we can't remember what started. Anyway, how have you been this week, old chum? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know what I've done. Every week I don't know what I've done. I don't know what to do with my time. All the time I don't do anything. And I've got no stories to recant. Well, what you need to do is take some inspiration from Anne Frank or Bridget Jones and start yourself a diary. And then Mm. you can just look in your diary to see what you've been up to. How about that? Well... I'll tell you this. Yeah. I did a gig in St. Helens last night. Oh. I did a preview of of a show I'm taking to the Edinburgh Fringe called Tom Lawrence and Hubba Hubba. Yeah. Well, which is me doing stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Good. It was good. Um, I think a lot of people had never seen stand-up before. It was a bit of a strain. Some people just talking. Yeah. And like they're just happy, but like you'd say something and it'd spark something in their mind. And they just turn to their friend and go, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They think they're watching telly, don't they, these people sometimes? They've not been to live comedy before and think they can like just sit there eating a bag of crisps talking. But it's funny like how sweet people are. Because they do a joke about like um I don't know. Flippantly, and I say it something very serious. I say, I'm talking about the way uh, people who fuss over dogs will ignore you completely when they see a dog in the street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just completely like, fuck you, you do it with cats. Yeah, I do. Hello, kitty cat. It's me. It's me. I'm one of you. I'm one of you. (laughs) Yeah. Letting it scratch your face. Oh, you're charming, you are. You are charming. Um, but I was saying, oh, you'd be pouring your heart out to them, going, oh, I'm going to kill myself tonight. And then they're like, just ignore you completely. But this woman sent me a um, really long paragraph telling me to keep my chin up. <laughs> That's funny. 
I know you said that thing during your show, but and I said that like twenty minutes in. So for for hers, the other forty minutes is her just looking at me like, Oof. cry for helpless, cry for bloody yeah, help. She's there typing up a draft. Oof. Keep your chin up. I'll send it to him to that later. <laughs> well, people like you do stand up. People think like it's hundred percent true or like. Because like, I used to do a song about York, and loads of people would come up to me and go, Oh, you live in York, do you? No, I don't live in York. I've just written a song about York. And then, you know, I used to do a song about um, about angles, Shit about on maths. The road. Shit on the road, dear. Shit on the road, dear. <laughs> I used to do a song about angles, maths, and they'd be like, mm, Teach maths, dear. Yeah, all right, actually, I do teach maths. <laughs> you got me on that one, but I do not live in York. And I do not shit on the road. <laughs> I'm like a bird, I shit in people's cars and lay eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably not done that for about uh, for about five years now, that joke. Your best joke? It's my best joke, yeah. I might, well, I might do a couple of stand-up spots at Edinburgh and just do all my weirdest material that I can find in my notepad. Mm, that'd be funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that'll be a bit of fun. Anyway, come see Potter Vision. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're excited, aren't we? Um, mm. We've got... Uh, hey, I thought about a, a funny addition to a joke we're going to do. Can we talk about the show on this, or do you not want spoilers? Yeah, I'll do it. We want to we do a scene at the Borough, right? So our new Edinburgh show is going to be based on Chamber of Secrets. And we want to do a scene at the Borough, right? So what we were going to do is get all the audience up to be like all the Weasleys and give everyone a ginger wig. And the joke was going to be that we'd get two people who look completely different to be Fred and George. And then obviously it's funny then when you say that they look like each other. But what I thought would be even funnier is if we get a very old person and a very young person to be Fred and George and then say that they're twins. Because what do you always ask a pair of twins? Which one's the oldest? Yeah. <laughs> who, was, who was born first? I think that could get a good laugh. Which, born, which one's the oldest? <laughs> mm, is it baby kid. or is it not? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's my idea that I've had this week. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, I'm excited to do these new scenes. It's going to be good fun. What have you been up to, brother? I have been working, and oh, it's coming to the end of the school year, the academic year, as we say in the industry. And um, at the minute, I'm writing my reports, oh, judging these children. Yeah? How's their behaviour? How, how's their work ethic? Yeah, I've got to give them a grade for what they're like in class, as well as like put all their test grades together and all that stuff. Any naughty ones? Well, you know, there aren't any naughty children. There's only naughty behaviour, yeah? There's no naughty children, only naughty bad parents that have made naughty children. <laughs> and, you know, as always, you know, uh, a bit of bad behaviour is always an opportunity to learn something, you know. But, um, yeah, so I've been doing that, but I don't like it. You know, you have to, you know, you have to be constructive, don't you? And you can't just say that they're all... You know, perfect. Because, you know, you've got to grow and develop as little people in the world. 
Yeah. So I've been doing that. Have you I've ever been writing me reports? Have you ever considered? Have you ever considered giving reports out to your friends and family? I think I should. And do you know what? Having it exactly the same as a school report would be like, right, maths. Oh, you can't bloody put two and two together, this lad. Or, uh, you know, English, how grammatically correct are they? Right, maths. I'm glad you retired as a bank manager, mum and dad, because yours is poor. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Who's always asking me to sort out splitting the bill? You. <laughs> but I must have talked about this before, but just because you've done a maths degree, people call on you to do, like, the most rudimentary maths. Because as if you, like, <laughs> are the only one that can do it. They were like, oh, God, we've got to split this bill three ways. Lucas, you've got a maths degree, haven't you? This is like year four maths, this. Dividing by three or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, I'll do that 35 divided by five. Oh, Lucas, you did a three-year degree, didn't you, bachelors? Oh, work that out for me. <laughs> I had, I had a soup, I had a dessert, and I had two Cokes. How much is that all together? you got a calculator on your phone, dude. Use that. <laughs> but yeah, That's I might cheating, write you a Lucas. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. Tom Lawrenson from Potter Vision. From Potter Vision. So, <laughs> so what, what would I give you so that we have, um, like, work behaviour and then, like, social behaviour, like how they get on with, like, friends and stuff. So I think social behaviour, I'd give because in the German grading system it's from one to six, where six is like terrible, and mm. one's the best. So for social behaviour, I reckon I'd give you a three, which means acceptable. Mm -hmm. I think out you, of five, ten. <laughs> no, three, three. Number one is the best, and number six is the worst. And I've given you a three. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty good, but. Sometimes, if someone pisses you off, you never want to speak to them again. Okay. Uh, and then for work... That was ethic, my work or social. That, that was, was social, so, three. That, that, was, <laughs> that was social. But that's satisfactory. That's good. Mr. Charisma. <laughs> and then for work ethic... Well, I don't, I don't know, that. really. You want a five? Right. <clears throat> what? Work ethic... Mm, yeah. It's not the worst. It's a five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't know. Oh, I was all school reports. Tom had so much, so much potential. Tom has potential, but blah, blah, blah. How about you're a bad teacher? <laughs> Do you want to talk about not living up to potential? Yeah. Miss Crooks, you're the worst woman I've ever met in my life. Right? <laughs> now, today, year sevens. Less of that. The anti-weeing hormone. <laughs> oh, she may have passed by now. So rest in peace. And I send my condolences to her nearest and dearest. Miss Crooks, I bloody loved you. Right. Do you know what's Lucas. so funny? Like, I always think like that. Like, I always think, oh, most of my teachers will have passed away by now. I think I was only in school t like 10 years ago. <laughs> Most of these teachers were like in their 40s or 50s. <laughs> like, no, oh, no, they'll the... be long gone by now. They've passed away from murder. Yeah. Unsatisfied students. 
Can't pay attention, can I not? <laughs> Go on. Go back to Slendian you know, I'll bump into the one of them, yeah, and I'll take my hat off like Ian Wright. <laughs> I thought you were dead, sir! <laughs> so this teacher is like in her 40s. No, no, I was, I was a newly qualified teacher when I taught you. Uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> I thought you were dead, miss. <laughs> I thought you were dead, miss. <laughs> My stars! For anyone that doesn't have a clue what we're going on about, especially our overseas listener, uh, former Arsenal player Ian Wright, there's a video of him in a football ground and he sees his teacher that he thought was dead. So you can check that out if you'd like to. Right. Hey, Lucas, I'll, I'll Luke, tell you what Luke, else. Luke, no, no. Yeah. Lucas Kirkby, <laughs> co-host of Part Vision. Right. Yeah. Social behaviour. Hmm... Uh, Lucas does not like socialising. Yeah. <laughs> Whatsoever. Um, he prefers to spend his time alone or with his loved one. Um, hmm, massive room for improvement. Boy gets a five. Yeah, sounds about right. Now, work behaviour. Lucas puts just a bit more effort in than Tom. He gets a four. <laughs> hey, that's a raving review. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you on the way up to Edinburgh. Well, let's write this show. <laughs> we put two new lines in that old scene. That's new material. Come out, so. Hello. Hello, yeah, all right. How about hi? What do you think about hi instead? <laughs> Younger for a harvester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too difficult. I remember sitting down going, oh, do you remember that gig we did? Oh, and everyone loved us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Reminiscing. Do you reminisce? Yeah, let's reminisce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going, I am looking forward to Edinburgh. Nice to be back there. Are you just doing Potter Vision in your show? Yeah, that's it. Good. Don't want you working yourself too hard. <sighs> Already am. Yeah. Um, God bless Lucas you. Lucas is English. Hmm. Yeah, I think your grammar and punctuation are fantastic. Yeah. With speech, though, sometimes you do get a bit lazy. Huh? Yeah, I do. That's true. <laughs> two. Two. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, two for English, yeah. Science, it appears you've got no idea about how anything scientific works. You think cars, computers and phones work by magic. Um, mm. You don't know how to put air in your tyres of your car. Um, your USB doesn't work in your car either. I'm giving you a four. Yeah, I'll agree with that as well. Agree with that. This is very fair so far. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you once left a milkshake in a car overnight and carried on drinking it in the morning. Yeah, it's uh, lost all its uh, volume, but I'll continue. <laughs> oh, it was nice. It was like an ice cream puck. 
Yeah, it was. It was lovely. What else you been up to? Well, I've been well. I've been trying to get myself a lift. So, the um, <laughs> in the uh, no, not hitchhiking, but in the German course I do. There's a couple. I think they're from Armenia. But I've spotted them a couple of times in my local supermarket that's really close to my house, right? But I don't really talk to them. And I was like, well, I know they drive back every day and it'd be nice just to get a lift with them instead of uh, having to get the bus, what's the bus stop and all that. Mm. So anyway, at the end of the lesson on Wednesday or whenever it was, I decided to try and like drum up a conversation. And I was like, oh, uh, I saw you two in Norma. Uh, yesterday, that's the supermarket, mm. and they're like, "Oh yeah, we saw you and your wife." And I was, like, "Oh yeah," and he he patted me on the back, and I was like, "Oh, this is going well. This is looking good for old Lucas." So you were saying all this in so, German? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So then I was like, "You always you would downplay your achievements of learning German within like a space of two years." He's drumming up conversations yeah. in supermarkets with people in a foreign language. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Hey, I made a joke in the supermarket yesterday. made everybody laugh. Was this to the man? Some, uh, t- no, th- this was a different supermarket. This was to the cashier, right? I had a, I, you can buy mochis, right? And um, you, you have to pay for how many there are. Anyway, mm-hmm. I put a load in it up, and then I took it to the till. And he's trying to count them up. And he goes, how many are there in there? And I was like, mm, I don't know. And there must have been about eight or nine. And then I went, oh, looks like two or three. What do you think? God, it was, <laughs> oh, everybody laughed. Oh, they were laughing. But it felt good because I was like, you know, I started to make jokes in German and stuff and have a bloody laugh with people. <laughs> but, oh, we chuckled. That's funny. So tell me more about this story of a um, conversation with... Oh, um, yeah. So this was in the school. This was after class in the school. And I was so like, oh, pat I saw you on the back. yesterday. Pat you on the back. Pat you on the back. He goes, oh, yeah, I saw you and your wife. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is friendly. So then I was like, oh, do you, uh, do you live near Norma, do you? And he's he catches like, wind. yeah, he yeah. catches wind immediately. <laughs> oh, uh... <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, do you live near Norma, dear? He's like, oh, yeah, we only live uh, like one kilometre away in the car. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I just live on that street. Like, yeah, I only live, you know, I live near there. And then he went, well, see you tomorrow. <laughs> so I don't know if he clocked on what I was asking or if he just didn't want to give me a lift. Yeah, I, I think, think he, he did. did. How long would the drive be? Well, it'd be the same as they normally do. It'd literally be on their way. No, no, no. How long is the drive? It would be like five minutes from the school in the car. But I have to walk to the bus stop, which is like five, ten minutes. And then if I miss the bus, which if the lesson finishes on time, I do miss the bus. And I have to wait another 15 minutes. (laughs) If the lesson finishes on time. If the lesson finishes on time, which it does, unfortunately... The lesson. <laughs> if I have to leave work on time, which I do, um, I have to get a later. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it finishes early, and then I can get the earlier bus. Sometimes I say it finishes on time. Sometimes I say to the students, "Come on, we'll finish the we'll finish the lesson on the way to the bus stop." As I was saying, 
Thing is about Wallace and Gromit, they're made completely out of clay. Right, the Aardman factory was destroyed in a fire, and so the original Wallace and Gromits were burnt. And oh, that's me, lads. See you later, boys. <laughs> <laughs> now this is me language course. This isn't after be school. Dave. Oh right, I thought, I thought this was school for some reason. No, no, this is at night at like eight oh, o'clock. I got confused. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Are <laughs> you saying that to another teacher? Yeah. No, so it'd probably make a difference of about... I'd get home about half an hour, 40 minutes earlier, I reckon, if I went with them. So it yeah. is worth... I'm going to persevere. How often is it? That's every day, Monday to Thursday. So four nights a week. Fuck me. That's yeah, two hours a week I'm losing. It's not that... Mm, yeah. Maybe ask him. Maybe just outright ask him. The uncomfortability. Yeah, I might do. I might do. Any chance for lift, brother? It saved me two hours, and I'm happy to pinch him with petrol every week. I've already <laughs> bought a weekly ticket. So the bus is free at this point, because I buy a weekly ticket. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to spend money on the petrol. <laughs> no, you fucking idiot. You'll save over an hour every day. You'll save over <laughs> an hour every day, and he won't even ask you for the petrol. It's the fact that you offered. No, I'm not offering that. He should give it me anyway, this favour I'm not even been offered yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I'll try and keep being friendly and see if, it, if uh, the offer arises. Mm. Hey, I've been cooking this morning. He's been cooking. I made... I made a broccoli and cheddar soup. Oh my god! They wanted celery in it. Oh, I don't really like celery, so I only put some of the celery in that they said. But then it still tasted too much of celery. So if I did it again, I just wouldn't put any celery. Well, in. it's weird, isn't it? Because celery has got a texture. It's that that crunch. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. Have, have that with some, you know, ranch and some when you're having some wings. Not bad. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. celery, the flavour. Oh, it's bitter. Why would you want that? Mm. I know. Because it was a broccoli and cheddar soup. And I was like, mm. onions I can understand. Garlic I can understand. Carrots. But celery, it took over it. It felt more like a celery. Is that what, you, is that what you're doing this morning? Yeah. Strange, man. Can we do the podcast later? My hands are full of soup. <laughs> yeah, I was cooking. It took a bit longer than I thought. I thought some pressing. That's interesting. Yeah. How is it? Have you tasted it? Yeah, it was very nice. As I said, a bit too celery-y. But uh, otherwise, it's quite good. Yeah, but I've been using the old Thermomix, which I might have mentioned before. Yeah, where it kind of tells you what to do. You still have to like, chop the veggies up and stuff. You're gonna, it uh, tells you what to do and when to do it. You're going to uh, put some... Uh, have some nice bread with that bit of butter. No, no, we just had it on its own. We've already eaten it. We just had it on its own. Oh, tried for lunch. I went to paper shop. I went to post office. I was like, oh, I forgot. I need to do a podcast yeah. in a minute. Mexican wrap. I was like, buy that. Ate off on the way home. Bad. Soggy. Uh, oh, soggy. Fire stick pepperoni. It was hot. Oh, hot. Oh. And then I had some monster munch and a curly whirly. Hey, you're good at accents. That's a working man's lunch, isn't it? You're good at accents. Say that in a, a Edinburgh accent. 
Curly Whirly. Yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. Did you like that, Scottish listeners? Curly Whirly. That's you, that. That's you. <laughs> yeah? You say it, Scottish listeners. Say Curly Whirly. Go on. Say it. <laughs> Sounds like Curly Whirly, doesn't it? We'll forgive you. Um. <laughs> oh. It is summer. What have you been up to? It is summer. It is hot. It is lovely. It is nice. Yeah, did some gigs. Did one in Leeds on Thursday. That was nice. Um, yeah. It's funny, though, because I must be giving off some weird facial expressions or... Um, yeah. Energy, because people come up to you at the end, and like we've, I've done an hour, and in my opinion, it's been a fantastic show. Big rolling laughs throughout, yeah, getting better and better each time. Yeah, yeah. People come up to me at the end, they go, and they go, "I thought it was good," and I'm like, "Yeah, so did I." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I thought it was good. Maybe they think you're not enjoying it, because mm. if they thought you were enjoying it, they did laugh even more. They'd feel more relaxed. Well. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is putting an iron mask on my face. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know what you need to do. After every joke, you just step back and you go, I'm enjoying this. Oh, I need to step back and, and then go. get back to the act. I go, I laugh. Before I say the punchline, I laugh and say, Did you like that, everybody? Yeah, I'm enjoying this. I had a boy last <laughs> boy in the audience last night, two lads sat next to each other, same age. This happens, this happens. I say, yeah. Who are you to each other? Brothers, like that. Younger one goes, He's my uncle. I'm like, What the hell? You know, obviously yeah. you know, it happens. Yeah. Nana has another kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just like older sibling has a kid. Uh and then yeah. mum has another kid, you know? Yeah, he's my uncle. Exactly, he's my uncle. And I was yeah. like, "What the hell?" Like that. And then <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go with that story. But <laughs> just interesting. That's good though. It's just interesting. They look so similar. Yeah. Sweet boys. Family genes, eh? Family genes. It's funny the different laughs you get in different areas. Uh, yeah. This always gets a big laugh in areas that don't like the longer jokes where I do this. I pretend to be one of them tubes. Well, sometimes audiences just like funny noises, don't they? Sometimes you don't need to. You don't need to write anything. You can just. Walk into a rugby club and you can just go <laughs> start, start slapping their thighs, laughing. Pretend you're on a horse. <laughs> I'd laugh. That's, that's really good. I think you could do. Uh, I think you could do five minutes of that. I think I could as well. Just going on, not saying anything. Like <laughs> treating them all like they're babies, jangling your keys. <laughs> I really wanted to open my set with that once, like holding up a little blanket and going. 
like that. And then when they don't laugh, just be like, my baby nephew loved that. They might laugh. <laughs> they might laugh. Yeah, they might do, might they? Baby nephew. <laughs> Baby nephew. Baby nephew. Riding backwards on a pig, baby nephew. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> the world is going insane, and you don't know what is right. You keep on keeping on. Get on that pig you... and hold on tight. I've got something for you. What have you got for me? Harry Potter news. Hey. <laughs> Flatlined. <laughs> Harry Potter superfan snaps up Gryffindor robe. Daniel Radcliffe's Hogwarts uniform sells for £79,000 at auction, but it needs a cleaning charm on it as it's caked in mud. So, oh. so it's a it's a Chamber of Secrets outfit is uh, sold for eighty grand. Can you believe that? Bloody hell! And they've not even bothered to wash it. I'd send it back. No, it's got blood, sweat, and hung on it. No, it's not. It's uh, yeah. I think it's from the uh, yeah the final battle with uh, that snake. Oh, that's good. Eighty grand, eh? Yeah, the stage blur around the collar. Um. Yeah. Full-size light-up DeLorean from the Back to the Future was also sold, and that was bought for two hundred and fifty grand. Um, Bloody hell! How much money would you have to have in the bank for you to make such a purchase? Well, at least two hundred and fifty grand. The uniform I meant. Oh right. At least eighty grand. At least seventy-nine grand. (laughs) Yeah. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't buy it if I had all the money in the world. No, thank you. The, I don't want a muddy coat. There's no way to authenticate these things, you know. No, exactly. I could just throw a bit of clay on a jacket and say it came from Prisoner of Azkaban. You could buy that, replicate it in your house, keep the original and go, I'm selling it, I'm selling it. And then someone will go, oh, I'll, yeah. I don't want to pay 79 grand, but I'll pay 40. And you're like... All right, give them the replica, and you've still got the uh, original in your bedroom. Oh, oh, oh. Dad, you know what? Fantastic. I think we need to stay back, take a step back, and look at ourselves. What is real? What is happening in the world? Like with everything going on, and I'm reporting on children's clo- used children's clothes being purchased by Hollywood elites. Excuse me, what is happening with the world? Use children's clothes. Shouldn't they be destroyed or given to charity? I think I'm going to yeah. be sick. Yeah. Hey, look what I've got from Oxfam. Muddy Gryffindor Quidditch outfit. Thanks, Mum. These are never... the piss out of me on own clothes These day. are never Longbottom's pyjamas that he got petrified in. The highest bidder, well, I'm going to start the bidding off at £40,000. They should be destroyed, Hollywood elites. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Where's that money going? Because if it was for charity, you'd think, oh, fair enough. Does Neville wear exactly the same pyjamas as Dudley? I feel like they're exactly the same. You know when he gets a piggy tail? Hmm. 
That's interesting. Isn't it? We'll find out now for listeners. Bloody hell, you wouldn't want to buy Dudley's trousers. They've got a hole in it. What is bummies? Just turn them round, use them for the toilet in the middle of the night. No, no, this is a. Turn them around, use them for the, the toilet in the middle the of the night. The Nelson Mandela effect. Um. People never call it the Nelson... What's the Nelson Mandela effect? You never heard of the Mandela effect? No. Well, I am, but I can't remember what it is. Um, it's where your... It's it's where your memory... We've got, like, a collective memory change. So, like, everyone... Oh, right, ...assumes yeah. a wrong thing about a movie or film or some some fact oh yeah, I think yeah with mandela everyone yeah. everyone assumed he was when he died everyone was like i thought he was already dead oh really yeah, yeah. and so neville is wearing teddy bear pajamas oh and dudley's wearing stripy pajamas yeah. dudley literally is the boy in the striped pajamas oh. yeah i've always said it what more do you need <laughs> to know Harry Potter! Now, Tom! Harry Potter, come to dine with me. I've cooked you a meal. Oh, that's nice. Should, could it? that go in Potter Vision? Yeah, I think that could go in Potter Vision, yeah. Why not? And then he sings Be Our Guest. Mm. Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest. <laughs> now, Tom, yeah. are you ready? For a chapter 22, book five, rundown. Um, yeah, more than anything, please. And if I don't get it, I'll do something awful. Oh, my God, I'm going to do it now. So Harry goes to Dumbledore after his nightmare, and he says, I've had a nightmare. I was looking through the snake's eyes, and I've attacked Arthur Weasley. Dumbledore sends Forks away, sends the paintings to find out what's been going on, and it's bloody true. Arthur Weasley in the Ministry of Magic has been bitten by a snake. So they get sent off to Grimmauld Place with Sirius while they await the news. And it turns out he's going to be all right. He's sitting in hospital in St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. And the boys, Fred and George, think he was guarding this weapon that Voldemort's after. And the snake was maybe Nagini. And that was uh, St. Mungus Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. And, you know, that was a chapter that took about an hour for Stephen Fry to read. And I didn't miss out any plot points. That was about it. There's a lot of sitting around, waiting around, people being asleep. Harry saw an eye chart on the wall and decided to read it. A. Z. B. E. Ron tried to interrupt him. No, this is important, he continued. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anybody has been able to complete that eye chart all the way I to can. the bottom? Always. Yeah. Can you? Oh, I feel jealous with my bad eyes. I can't imagine my vision being, honestly, any better. Unless you could put something in front of my eyes and it was like, oh my God. But every little detail, every little hair, every pube, all about us on the street, the world, yeah. the food we live in, I will always spot. Bloody yeah, because I take my glasses off and instantly, especially further away, things are very blurry. Oh, hang on, just realised, maybe my eyesight isn't that good. You're wearing a t-shirt that's flesh-coloured. I thought you were sat topless. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, I might do that next time for the next episode. I might just go topless and claim I'm wearing the same T-shirt. No, it's the same T-shirt. Oh, it's funny. I was looking at the YouTube thumbnails for this, and it's like we've recorded all hundred yeah. episodes in one sitting. I'm always wearing a black T-shirt, and your variations are that T-shirt and a green T-shirt. Hey, well, do you know what? Whenever I buy new clothes, I always think about the podcast. I never think about like anything else. I always, when I buy a new T-shirt, I think, oh, finally, it's going to look like I'm wearing something else in the podcast, apart from the same cycle of five T-shirts that mm. I normally wear. Well, <laughs> I, well, my old, looks like I've got one T-shirt. Um, All the, my T-shirts are just black. Yeah, but normally they got a logo or something on them. Something else. Um, yeah. Mr. Weasley has been attacked. I think it is Harry, you know. He's always hated Arthur Weasley because he wants to marry uh, Ron's mum, doesn't he? He wants to be Ron's dad and marry Ron's mum. He's got the yeah. Weasley puss complex. He has. It's like Oedipus, but Weasley puss. Yeah. I think so, yeah. He wants to kill the father and marry the Weasley puss, come uh, Weasley puss Rex. Weasley puss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something in that, isn't it? Because he's always saying how Mrs. Weasley's the closest thing he's had to a mother growing up. And Mr. Weasley's the closest thing he's had to a father as well as Sirius mm. Black, you might argue. Yeah, that'd be good. But, uh, you know, it's very scary. I'd be scared if I'd had a dream that came out to be true. And I was like the the snake or whatever. Like, imagine if you'd woken up through the, you know, and you're looking through their eyes and you're in a uh, an enclosure and you're lifting up a kid and then you get shot and then you wake up and Harambe's been shot. How would you feel about that? Yeah, bad. Yeah, it'd be weird, I, wouldn't it? Shit I yourself. did have a dream last night I was drowning. I think I did drown and then I was revived. Bloody hell! Where where did you drown? I was on a ship or something. I, don't know, I remember yeah. water coming in and then just passing away. You're but I was also film, dreaming about a new video game that looked I'd invented that was really good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever... I can't remember ever having a dream that's come true. Right, but people must do that, mustn't they? They must have a dream and then it ends up happening well, in real life. video game dream comes true. Oh, I do. I remember there was an episode of Jonathan Creek once where a woman dreamed about a murder and then it happened. But it turns out someone had like, put a CD on in a... In a house and made her listen to it. I can't remember why they did it. Jonathan Bloody Creek. Anyway. <laughs> Only he can solve this What's mystery. fascinating? I don't think there's a single programme. There's barely... The Venn diagram. Me and you are in a comedy partnership. The Venn diagram of programmes we both watch yeah. barely touches. <laughs> there's Wallace and Gromit and Austin Powers in the sliver that overlaps oh, but in the it's stuff that me and you like a fanatical over <laughs> come on Jonathan Creek Dragon Ball Z they're practically the same show Naruto 
Doc Martin. I go with you. Mom. You ever seen The Simpsons? You go, it's a bit like, uh, you know, Canterbury Tales, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, more or less. <laughs> I like the Canterbury Tales. I once tried to write a Canterbury Tales musical. I was guessing musical. Canterbury Tales. Right. And there he comes out. Oh, I, love, I tried to yeah. write a Canterbury Tales musical. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, I started writing in it, writing it, but then I was, I was slowly figuring out that it's all in rhyme anyway, and I was just like rewriting the rhymes, and it weren't any good. And the thing is, the Canterbury Tales is massive, and the guy died before he finished writing them. So if he couldn't finish it, I won't be bloody able to at the age of twelve or however old I was. No, but the nice thing about the Canterbury Tales is they're at all individual the age of stories. Twelve, what an interesting little boy. Well, because we studied it in, um, we studied it for A level as well, and we went to see uh, a play version of it, and it's quite rude. The Canterbury Tales, and there's a story where a man sticks his bum out the window, and ends up with a red hot poker mm. up his bum, and they they did it live on stage. Not not the poker going in, but you saw a man's bare bottom, and when you sat with your English teacher and your fellow children, it's a, it's a bloody shock. And you're hearing like the sea, but the sea word and stuff. I and was, the F word. Uh, <laughs> was gigging in Bolton the other week. Jamie Hutchinson was there, who you might know if you listen. He uh, he had a, a clip go viral. He's a semi. He's a well, I suppose a famous comedian. Like in some respects, like videos go viral. He's got a very famous podcast. Where he was on a Have a Word podcast where he tells a story about his little brother beating him up in the guise of a doctor. Very funny. But yeah. Jamie's also a fucking mad liar and embellisher. I was in a green room with him, and he's telling this story about how he saw an act. Uh, he was on stage, and this act turned around. They were struggling, and they turned around, and they were wearing the pants a bit baggy, not realising, and their arse was out. So when they turned yeah. around and their arse was out, the audience laughed, because all of a sudden someone dying... Like not getting any laughs, and all of a sudden an arse. And then Jamie goes, yeah, he bent over, and you could literally <laughs> see his arsehole. And I was like, you liar. No one's yeah. arsehole has ever been seen on stage from bending over. He goes, you could see his ring piece. I was like, liar, 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 liar. And that's coming from me, a famous embellisher. Yeah. So when someone's, you can't bullshit yeah, a bullshitter. Yeah. That's the f- yeah. <laughs> I heard that and I was like, that's what that means. Yeah. Well, yeah, tall tales. Well, but I remember seeing a video of, um, there's a woman in the supermarket in America and she's like, I've just seen a guy and he's got his whole ass out like this. And I'm like, nah, it's not going to be his whole ass. And then she goes down the aisles <laughs> And you can literally see the whole bottom all together. I missed that. <laughs> it's like, how do you even, how do you even not know the, that you're holding? The problem with viral videos shots? nowadays is that there's too many of them, so we can never find that again. Yeah, can there we? Are. you can't keep up. What would no, you type in no. for that? Whole ass out Walmart, maybe. No. Whole ass out Walmart. <laughs> yeah. 
Who knows? Yeah, it's true. Like before, like you'd get like one viral video every six mm. months. You know, like, hey, have you seen Gangnam? Not Gangnam Style. <laughs> I'm thinking of Gangnam Style. But like everyone, be like, hey, let's watch this or I don't know, Cat in the Bin Woman or whatever. Or Charlie bit me finger. It'd be that fucking Alex Zane used to have RudeTube, that program where he'd um, show viral videos. Oh yeah, but like they wouldn't be viral. It'd be like this one's got twenty one thousand views. You're like. If I come across a video now that's got 21,000 views, I don't even bother watching it. It's going to piss off. Not worth my time. Yeah, that's no good. That's either not worth my time or it's going to come back more And then I'll get it later. second time round. Yeah. All right. Well, but people get excited by the fact that they get they see viral videos early. They're like, I saw this before it went viral. That's because you've got too much time on your hands. You're looking through too. If you're seeing videos before they go viral, you're spending Saw too much TikTok time on them. TikTok by new. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good one. I put this video where it is today. Well, shame on you. You should wait for it to get big and then watch it because mm. then you know it's good. Mm. Mm. Anyway, back to this chapter, eh? <laughs> Right, so that we've done the Weasley Puss Complex. Oh, yeah, Weasley Puss Complex. Why has she got to call it St. Mungo's? I know, who is St. Mungo? Don't know, but so I was like, I googled St. Mungo. I was like, is that anything? Oh, yeah. Come on, I'm Mungo, get out of here. So there's a homelessness charity called St. Mungo's as well. Oh, yeah. But who set that up? J.K. Rowling. Has she? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, hang on. There is a Saint Mungo. Who he? He's a missionary and a founder and patron saint of the city of Glasgow. Oh, that must be Scotland. There you go. Um, the Mungo, yeah. What did he do? Let's see if he's anything to do with medicine. Um, this is exciting, isn't it? Oh. Uh, mm. In old age, Mungo became very feeble and his chin had to be set in place with a bandage. <laughs> He's said to have died in his bath. Oh, That's he performed lovely. four miracles. The bird that never flew, the tree that never grew, the bell that never rang, the fish that never swam. That's lovely. There you go. St. Mungo. Yeah. Well, because it's called St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. I was thinking, well, if witches and wizards have a normal injury, do they have to go to a muggle hospital? You know, like if they break the leg or something, or... God forbid have an awful disease or condition. Yeah, that pissed me off, because Ron was like, Doctor, you mean those people who cut people open? Muggles, which wizards are worse. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's get Gilderoy right. Lockout out here to dissolve all the bones in your arm. Oh, that's nicer, isn't it? Than setting an arm. <laughs> well, how ignorant... I can't believe how ignorant muggles are of, like... Uh, uh, how ignorant wizarding people are of... Wizards, because there can only be a few thousand wizards, 
and there's billions of humans on planet Earth. They're living and they're in like, a bubble. Oh, doctors, those freaks that cut people up. That's they're living surgery. in a bubble. They're living in a bubble. Have we said this before that I don't think I I, I if I was a uh, if wizards existed, I'd put a little badge on myself saying I don't consent to having any of you put a spell on me. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, because surely that's a human right. I'm going to wipe your mind. What? You're going to wipe yeah. my mind? Yeah. Not allowed to do that, are you? I'm going to make you not see this Quidditch stadium. Where's my human rights? Because the Ministry of Magic's part of the government. Because the Minister for Magic speaks to the Prime Minister. I'm going to so, shrink your key. Needed that. How am I going to get into my house or my office at work or my car? Excuse me, Tony Blair, can we add some things to the Geneva Convention, please? Like what? Wizards aren't allowed to use magic on us. I'll, I'll have to see uh, what I can do. That's my impression of Tony Blair having not remembered what he sounds like. That was quite like Wallace, so... <laughs> <laughs> Cracking policies, Gromit. <laughs> Gordon, we forgot the cheese. Weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, <laughs> Gromit. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Bad intel. New labour, new danger. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's about all we can uh, remember from that political time. <laughs> must be when we were children. We've got a close friendship with George Bush, Gromit. Good relationship with America. Now, Dumbledore has all these portraits, and it turns out they're not just connected to other Hogwarts portraits. They can go all over the shop. They can go to the Ministry of Magic. They can go to St. Mungo's. It's very good. I wish, like, you know, normal paintings could do that. Imagine, like, you could send the girl with the pearl earring off to check on Nana. Or, like, get Mona Lisa to make sure your house isn't being burgled. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Right, how about this? Uh, this yeah. is not to do with what you've been saying. But oh, about... yeah, this is something you've been thinking independently <laughs> instead of listening. Yeah. How about this is a sequel? Yeah. To Harry Potter, yeah. it's set like you know oh, yeah. in the future, right? Yeah. There's some Muggles who found a way yeah. to use magic. Oh, yeah. So using like Muggle technology, and yeah. like I don't know, mag magician wizard DNA. They've yeah, like, yeah. Started using magic and stuff. That will that be interesting. That's really cool. I think you should write that as a short story and then we read it out on Double Vision. Okay, I'll, I'll write that down. Muggle Magic Man. I'll remember what that means. Yeah. 
Well, I'm thinking of doing a spin-off that's a bit like Fantastic, because they based this big spin-off series on uh, Fantastic Beasts. So I was thinking of doing a spin-off based on Quidditch Through the Ages, where it's a five-film series, mm. and it's all set in Australia. Australia. And it's going to be great. You get your own kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get a garden you can hop hey. through. You can sing through now, a didgeridoo. Come. <laughs> right, Dumbledore's in his in his office, right? And he's using all these gadgets to send messages. He's got like a kettle that he turns into a pork key. He's got a silver thing that a snake comes out of, right? And it's like He's supposed to be the greatest wizard of all time, but he'd be nothing without all these gadgets. You know, like the pensieve and forks and the sorting hat and all this. He's like, he hardly ever uses just himself. Apart from when he does that. (laughs) Should you put that in? I think so. (laughs) Ball of flame. Yeah. And that'd be good. We could get some pyro, couldn't we? For the uh, thousand people listening and not the twenty people watching, we are doing the Dumbledore <laughs> slap that he does when he wants to get out of there in order of the Phoenix. Ooh. Oh, hey, do you know I'm not done in a little while. Yeah, you're one. But you know talk. what I mean? He's always using his gadgets. Yeah, go on. Like, is there, is there any skill in that? You know, does he need skill to use these things, or has he just like ended up with all these cool artifacts? Oh, what do you reckon? Um, yeah, well, he's the oldest wizard in the world, isn't he? Probably. So I think he's yeah. collected all these things from his travels and his researches, and um. I don't think you need to be particularly good at magic. Maybe some of his techniques require skill, like the uh, the bond he has with forks that he can now forks transport in places. Give him one of these. But um, yeah, but a lot of the other things he's got is just from being a very uh, yeah. learned mind who's collected and developed and uh, achieved a lot of stuff in his life. But let me tell you this now. Harry yeah. has dreamed about the Ministry of Magic before, hasn't he? Yes, he has. But this is the first time he's like experienced the dream from the viewpoint of another entity. Like he's had. Well, you say that, but I think the last time he dreamed about uh, the Ministry of Magic, I thought that was through the eyes of Nagini as well. Hmm. But, I but that this up. is the first time that he's at least felt the emotions. Of this other entity, yes. which is interesting. Yeah. So he's gone through extreme pleasure at striking down none other than Arthur Weasley and extreme hate when having laid yeah. eyes on the man only known as Dumbledore, Bumblebee, if you will. Bumblebee, yeah. I think it works the other way around. You reckon like while Harry was kissing Cho, Nagini was feeling all excited and shy and nervous. Oh, Nagini's got a boner. Nagini. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe it works both ways and Nagini feels all the things Harry feels. Mm. Oh, disappointed with that Quidditch result. 
Nagin is disappointed with the Quidditch result. It could be, couldn't it? Mm. Hey, and it says a line. They, they use the port key. And it says, Harry felt a powerful jerk behind his navel. But it never explains in the story who this powerful jerk is. <laughs> Maybe we'll find out in a later chapter. I think it's Barty Crouch Jr. again. Hello, Father. <laughs> Hello, Harry. <laughs> Barty Crouch doesn't die at the end of... Uh, does he? Goblet of Fire. Does he just get sent to Azkaban, I assume? Because they've got him, haven't they? Don't move a muscle. Don't. Don't move a muscle. Yeah, I reckon he just goes back to the old Azkaban prison at Her Majesty's pleasure. I wonder, maybe they couldn't get him back for the later films then, because that's the last we see of him, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Now, they all get sent to Grimmauld Place, and the poor Weasleys aren't for some reason, allowed to go to the hospital, even after. Because I do get the idea of, like, oh, it's suspicious, how would you have known about him being attacked? But even after Mrs Weasley sends word, they're not allowed to go and see their father in what could be his last moments, which I think is suspicious. How would they know? Magic. Magic. How about they saw it in the tea leaves? Saw it in tea leaves. Yeah. I think when your dad's, like, on death's door... Who gives a shit? Let me see me, Dad. I completely begree. Yeah, I begree as well. I begrudgingly begree. Yeah. Because it's like... And Sirius's attitude stinks. Like, he's got these Weasley kids who are all, like, grieving for what potentially might be their father's death. And Sirius is like, listen, they knew what they were getting into. There are things worth dying for. It's like, like not now. We don't say that now. This is a, you know, within half an hour of them finding out about their dad. Mm. Do you want to not be talking about the Order of the Phoenix like that? Uh, can we not mm. be talking about the Order of the Phoenix? Harry's just tried to commit Weasley puss. What? Well, yeah, it's like, I don't know, if someone joined a football club and they get, you know, they get kicked in the head or something and have to go to hospital. And it's like, well, that can happen with football club. I don't want to hear about football club. My son's had his head kicked in. You know what I mean? Just have a bit of bloody... Serious, in this book has been horrible, I think. He's been grumpy, he's been miserable, he's been giving bad advice, he's been childish. Mm. I'm really not liking him in this book. Well, you're the only one. The rest of us think he's fantastic. Oh, well. I apologise for my well, uh, I don't think for my views. And also, I don't think you'll be very unhappy with him for much longer. I feel like Sirius is going to get his just desserts at the end of this book. <laughs> I can only hope. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And Harry, there's a bit, <laughs> there's a bit where Harry is. It says he's talking to himself. Mm. But I think she means, like, in his head, but it doesn't say he thought these thoughts. It says he was talking to himself. And at one point he goes, Don't be stupid. You haven't got fangs. Is he saying that aloud in front of all these other children? 
because it says he's talking to himself. Imagine that grieving for your dad, and then suddenly you look over and your friend's like, don't be stupid, you haven't got fangs. He could be muttering it to himself. Yeah, he could be, couldn't he? Because I mutter myself, things to myself. I'll be like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm a fucking idiot, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, take all these people with me. Kaboom, kaboom. Yes, I'm going to anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting to see all these Weasleys vulnerable. Like, these are all... These characters are all, like, quite caricature-istic. Like, Ron, Fred and George, Ginny. And it was nice to see, like, Fred and George suddenly be so vulnerable and serious and Ginny as well and Ron. I thought that was really, like, interesting to see. Oh, you are right. They are <laughs> blessed, vulnerable things. It's nice for them to not be joking for once in their lives and as you say if all it takes is for their father to get murdered so be it yeah come on it's nice to see a different side of you lads <laughs> and then we get tonks and mad eye taking them to st mungo's and once again we get the lovely impression of tonks by stephen fry which did that irk you again listening to that one more time? wasn't as bad this one i think because it wasn't as like Umpy pumpy. It was a lot more subtle yeah. this time. Oh, we're gonna go to the hospital. Yeah. And once again, Harry, he's in fifth year now. He still can't believe magic. Things are happening. They go to this uh, this old abandoned like store, department store, and then Tonk starts talking to like a mannequin. A, uh, like a shop front dummy and he's like oh mannequins can't talk or respond and then when it lets them into the hospital he's like oh. <gasps> he can't believe his eyes mm. right mate you've been a wizard for five years now expect the unexpected everything's possible mm. oh. anyway Talked about that. Once again, we get another bit of this book that didn't have to be in it. Earlier on, at the beginning of this book, when he went to uh, the Ministry of Magic, there was a detailed list of what was on every floor of the Ministry that took up about half a page. They've done it again here. Talking about what every ward's got in every department of this, uh, of this hospital. <laughs> Couldn't they... They cut a bit of the bloody flack off this book. What do you Some reckon? Some people really like the detail. Now, my sister Alice claims, it's probably more now, but a month ago she claims she's read this year 72 books in six months. Jesus Christ. Right. And she's reading sci-fi, science yeah. fiction, well, she's the same thing, uh, fantasy, um, yeah. them yeah. kind of books, that kind of, you know, tribe. Uh I said to yeah. her, are you skim reading? Are you skipping past all the detail? And she goes, no, I'm not. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. No, it is good. I do like a bit of world building. Well, I'm reading a book at the moment from the Shard Lake series, which is like a historical murder mystery set in Tudor times. And that's bloody good. But I feel like I'm reading that quick, but it's still taking me about a month to read one book. Your sister must be flying ahead. Yeah, I, pr I propose... 
she's not uh, but then that's six books a but month then maybe she's loving the detail maybe she's skipping the detail some people must live for the detail that's in these bookie books yes well you lose yourself in the world don't you you can imagine being there yourself and uh, yeah it's nice to kind of escape I don't know your day at work or whatever and just lose yourself in a fantasy world or you know a historical location it's wonderful a library can take you to all the corners of the galaxy right how many crumpled weasleys bloody and sore on a floor of a ministry are you giving this chapter out of five you know what? I really like this chapter actually. Um, there's a bit with Dumbledore where we get we finally see and interact with Dumbledore a bit. He's been absent most of the book. Um, I, I do like getting outside of Hogwarts every now and then, seeing Saint Mungo's back to Grimmauld Place a bit. It's been a good laugh. I've enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a very solid four crumpled. Mr. Weasley's on the floor of the ministry out of five. Dumbledore, Dumbledore. I miss you, Dumbledore. Now, for me, this chapter was dull. It was long and nothing happened. A man got attacked at the end yeah. of the previous chapter. And in this chapter, he was taken to hospital. Boring, 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 boring. I'm going to give it no more than one crumpled Weasley out of five. Bloody hell. That young man. Are you ready for a segment that is only known as quiz? Yes. Quiz, quizzy, quiz, quizzy, quiz, 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 coo. Gonna ask you some questions. How well will you do? Quiz, quizzy, quiz, quizzy, quiz, 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 qua. Gonna ask you about Harry Potter, Lucas. How well will you do? Question one. What was Dumbledore? What was Dumbledore stroking with one finger? Oh. Forks. Mm, I'll give you that. Forks is plumed head. Question yeah. two. How many feathers did Forks leave behind? Correct. One. Question three. What kind of laugh did Ron give off after hugging Mummy? Really? Shaky laugh, unfortunately. And question four. Uh. What size was Mr. Weasley's bed? King size. Tiny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've oh lost the quiz. Quiz, 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 crew. Now, Tom, are you ready for the nation's second favourite segment, Hedwig's Droppings? Yeah, man. Give me them droppings. With... I will. We're not alluding to owl poo. We're not alluding to ploppings. We mean the messages you've sent in when we allude to Hedwig's droppings. Now, what's been in a beak this week? Well, we've had a message from Fuzzy Felt Circus on Instagram. Now, we've been asking people to let us know what their jobs are, and we've had a message from Fuzzy Felt Circus who says, Hello. I don't have a massively interesting job, but I do have a job that I only have because of Potter Vision. So this person says, I came to see the show in Scarborough when I was supposed to be off work sick. I was a teaching assistant at a rough school and hated it, so would often just not turn up or pull a sickie. 
Turns out the assistant head teacher was in the audience that night at Potter Vision. Mm -hmm. She told the head that I wasn't actually sick and I got a bollocking for going out to the theatre when I should have been working. A few weeks later, I quit, partially fueled by that interaction with the head, and now I work as a full-time artist. <laughs> so, well, you know, we're always making people's dreams come true, aren't we, in the Potter oh, podcast. That. And now you can be a full-time artist. Hobby, I had no hobby. idea that Pottervision audience members could be snitches, though. No, I didn't know that. Who's that assistant head? Must, must be one of your fans, that. Yeah, I reckon. One of mine. Could be two shoes. They've pulled a sickie. <laughs> but well done, Fuzz- well done, Fuzzy Felt Circus, and good luck with your uh, your new job as an oh, artist. Oh, God. Oi. Now, we've had another very strange email. Um... We've had an email from me in the future. Uh, someone sent an email, and the email is Lucas Kirby without a K. Lucas Kirby at Germany.com. <laughs> and this email says, Hi Lucas, it's me, Lucas Kirby. I have somehow gone to the future. I hope you get this message. Or what I disappeared. Anyway, I sold my car, sold my house years ago. But good news, I'm still with Martina and happily married. As if that was <laughs> as if that. So thank you. As if that was on me. the line. Still with Martina. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much, Lucas. She hasn't chucked me out. Just now yet. we've got. Yeah, no, it's still going. Um, but now we've got four new patrons. And these are all ones that have paid. They're not the free trial ones, don't Excellent. you worry. So the first one, we've got a new baby Harry, and it's Madeline Elizabeth. Madeline Elizabeth. Well, you have followed your dad into work one day. Your dad is a scientist, and he's been working on a ray that shrinks people. You've toddled into the lab when he's gone for lunch and you've walked in front of the, the ray. A moth has landed on the switch and it has shot you and you've shrank to the size of an ant. You uh, have crawled now. Your dad's come back in the lab but you don't know where you are. So you try your best and you crawl up his clothes and you crawl right into his ear canal to try and shout at him, Dad, it's me. I've been shrank. and have a baby who can talk. He can't hear you, and he's put his finger in his ear yeah, to try and like, ooh, itchy, I think there's an ant in my ear. I, a security guard that works at this lab, and I've seen the whole thing. I run down, yeah, come into the lab, put my mouth around his ear, suck you out, spit you onto the floor, tell your dad what's happened, he grows you, I pick you up, and mwah, 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 mwah. There you go, Madeline. And we've got another baby, Harry. I hope I'm saying your name right. It's Aina Robinson. Not Aina. Anne Robinson. Aina Robinson. Aina Robinson. Your dad is an inventor. He's invented a ray that grows people to extraordinary <laughs> sizes. You fold into the lab one day. <laughs> And you've accidentally fallen into the ray. You have grown to the size of the Empire State Building. That's big. That's even bigger than King Kong. Everyone is chasing you round, trying to kill you, 
shooting at you, I say, leave her alone. I scale up the back of you, kiss you on your cheek. The kiss undoes the spell that was put onto you by your dad's magic, and you are returned to the size of a baby, intact. Lovely. Thank you very much, Aina. And we've had another baby, Harry, and it's Charlotte Barnett. Charlotte Barnett. Your dad is also an inventor. He has invented <laughs> a way to turn things invisible. Unfortunately, he has left you alone in the lab. Yeah? Um, I'm watching you doddle around the lab because I'm a security guard in this lab as well. All your dads are brothers. Um, I'm laughing at you toddle about... All of a sudden, you stand on a switch and you turn me invisible. I am scared out of my mind. I pick you up and I'm throwing you about. Unfortunately, your father returns to the lab and now thinks that you are a flying baby. He gets so frightened, he tries to attack you. I am there to protect you. I hold your father to the ground. I give him a few slaps. As I'm slapping him, I come Back into visibility, the spell has been undone. Um, he starts laughing because he realised what's happened. I give you some kisses, and we are done. Lovely. And our final new patron is another baby, Harry, and it's Tess Pearson. Tess Pearson. You are the daughter of a security guard who works in a lab. I am an inventor who works in this lab. I've invented a spray that makes people itch. Awful invention. I think maybe the military are going to buy it off me so they can use it in like war efforts. I don't know. Anyway, you've stumbled into the lab and you've got the spray and you've sprayed it all over my packed lunch. Um, I begin to eat my sandwich and I begin to eat itch from the inside out. I look at you. How could you do such a thing to me? You are laughing away, laughing away. <sighs> I walk up to the window ledge because I think this is no way to live with itchy insides and begin to throw myself out. You tug on my coattails and convince me not to go. I pick you up and forgive you. The spell is undone. Yeah, so there you go, Tess. And thank you to everyone uh, who always is supporting us on Patreon. It's very much appreciated. Recently, we've done an episode on keeping up appearances. So you can catch that with like nearly 60 episodes now. Oh. All extra stuff that you can check out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And that's been Hedwig's Droppings. Mm. This has been the Pottervision Podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, we have our Patreon that we've just mentioned. Check it out. There's loads of bonus stuff. You can get goodies, signed posters, uh, you know, personalised videos from us. Nearly 60 bonus episodes of the pod about mm. all sorts of things. There's all sorts there for you to look at. Video diaries, the lots. And we are back in Edinburgh from the 4th till the 28th of August, every day apart from Mondays, doing brand new stuff. So come and see us there. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be in Derby on the 27th of July and Manchester on the 28th of July. So please book your tickets to come and see our Edinburgh previews. 
It's Next soon. time, we are going to be on episode 118, chapter 23 of book five, Christmas on the Closed Ward. <laughs> you have been a black t-shirt wearing Tom Lawrenson. And you have been the wonderful, almost topless Lucas Kirkby. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Pottervision podcast. The music was performed by Jack Evans. If you'd like bonus content and to support the show, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Pottervision.